Welcome to Troubadours on Trek. This is your captain speaking, Grace Pettis. I'm a big star Trek fan. I'm also a working musician and a songwriter, but enough about me. Every month I review an episode of Star Trek with another musician. I share an episode of the greatest science fiction television series of all time with them, and in return they share their road stories and songs with us. Pretty boys with Engage. My guest today is the one and only Raina Rose. She's hello. one of hello, hello, one of my favorite songwriters. Um, I actually I can't think of like a single one of your songs that I don't love. Like they're just <laughs> all good. And oh, thanks. <laughs> you put on her records, and it's just like there's not you know there's not a dud anywhere on oh. the album. You know everybody has like that one or two duds on the record, and and that just is not the case for you. That means so much coming from you. You are so brilliant. I appreciate that so much. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah. What can we say about Rena? She's been touring and recording albums for over a decade. You've made six studio albums. You've opened for Jill Sabuel. Did I say her name right? I never I think so. Sobule. I think that's as close as you can get. Great. I have heard her music, but I, I just, you know, it's one of those things, like, you don't know if you're saying it She's right. She's adorable. Is she? <laughs> In the most fierce way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bacon Brothers, Loudon Rainwright III, Tracy Grammer, and uh, you've, you've played with a lot of, like, our our mutual favorites in the folk tribe, John yeah. Elliott and Rebecca Lobey, we have in common. Mm. Um She's Jonathan Bird. She is the greatest. And I just actually interviewed her the other day for another oh, fun. She's yeah. like the most wonderful friend I've ever had in my life. Aww. <laughs> you guys have like a best friendship that's truly inspiring. <laughs> oh, it's like I feel so grateful to to be in the warmth of her glow. <laughs> that's so sweet. Oh my god. <laughs> You guys have been friends for like how many years now? Like fifteen years. We met at Folk Alliance, which is hilarious. At um, in two thousand eight, I believe. So t- twelve years, and it wow. honestly felt like it had been twelve years, like a month into our friendship. <laughs> you know, like it was just it was so easy and fun and lovely. To, yeah. yeah, and you guys have toured a bunch together too. Yes. Yeah. She. Uh, yeah. We lived in cars together for a while. She is the most. Um, brain organized person. She's like very organized in her brain and has lots of to-do lists. And then in the stuff world, it's like oh. the entire, she, I like to say that she's a gas and she takes up whatever, whatever size container she's in. You know, it's so stuff. funny. She's, she's told us that before, like on tour, because I've toured with her too. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just like you get in the hotel room and then just like two seconds later, there's just like the Rebecca Lobey purse contents are just Explode. everywhere. <laughs> like explosion. It's amazing. It's and so then her brain awesome. is always so organized and like, she's got yeah. like more ideas than anyone could possibly, you know, do create. And then, and then like the stuff is just everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I know. It's, she's such a strange, like unique combination of human. Cause she's, she's so intensely creative and also so kind of like logical and, and pragmatic and she's yes. like messy and neat. And like, yes, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's, so it's fun, fun to watch. <laughs> she's a little unicorn, but yes, um, she is. so we've got Rebecca in common. We've got Jonathan mm-hmm. Bird. 
AJ yeah. Roach, Anthony oh, I miss Costa. Him. Yeah, I miss all three of those dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I miss Which everybody actually right now. Every single person that I know, I miss them. Yeah, I just miss other humans in general. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and you married your bass player. Andrew I married Preston. my bass player. <laughs> cool, cool. And uh, rumor has it he learned the bass just to impress you initially and to get to hang out with you more. <laughs> that's hilarious. I that's not true, but I think that if it would have been true if it was. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if he hadn't already known the bass, like yes, he would have learned he, it at that point. He might have he started eating <laughs> kale just to impress me, so you know. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe harder. <laughs> If you're not used to eating kale, it is, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's fine. Okay, so quash that rumor. That's good. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No worries. It was a good story. I'm sad it's not true, but it's fine. Um, But he's he's a really good bass player. He's very well respected and in demand in the scene. And and you guys have, like, two little boys now? We have two little boys. One of them is is, uh, almost six, and one of them is almost nine. Which is so crazy fun. though. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the whole the whole distance learning thing is not my favorite, but we're not gonna go into that right now. <laughs> I was definitely going to ask you about that, but um, oh, it, I have nothing can... positive to say. So we <laughs> <laughs> So they're no, they're really fun. They're both really um energetic and creative in different ways and like it's it's interesting because the older one looks just like Andrew and then his name is Emmett and then our younger Benny looks like exactly like me and they're but they're like and their personalities are kind of mirror us as well like Andrew's a little really? high strung Emmett's a little high strung and then Benny's just kind of lazy and I <laughs> have I'm not lazy but I was once <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, any mom can be lazy. I was going to say, yeah, it's hard to be a mom at all and be lazy. Um, yes, you but, just there's no time for that. But I used especially to be. in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep everybody as occupied as possible. Yeah. 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 Um, and you're home in Austin. That's where yes. you guys live. Yeah, but deep you south. were deep south. Yeah, but also <laughs> kind of different from much of the deep south in my experience. Yeah, we live in this tight like this weird little zone that's surrounded by a park. Mm-hmm. And and I I like love it. It's we have just miles of trail all the way around us, like two di- different trailheads within like two blocks of us. Pretty and cool. it's so excellent. It's that's very awesome. I'm very happy to have found this tiny little zone. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it comes in handy probably these days. Just if we didn't have the trails, I think that we all would have killed each other. (laughs) (laughs) We have like somewhere nice to go outside. It puts all of us in a better mood. Like it's just like the, the saving grace of this entire time. I love it. Well, you know, your last record, like your your latest record, I should say Vesta, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, is all about kind of like home and hearth and motherhood and just like domestic bliss and kind of balance and finding, finding the joy in that, I guess, is what I got out of it. Um, and so, and I think it's interesting because you were, like you said, this kind of like, I mean, you were this living in a car with your bestie, um, for like eight years touring like 200 shows a year, just on the road constantly. And then you went from that like directly into 
sort of like a homebody, like, and making all of these like folk potions. That's the name of your, your company where you make like natural, you know, body products and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about like that transition. What was it like sort of switching gears that way in your life? Yeah, it was, it was an intense time. So like when Emmett was born, I was 29 and, uh, we, I still like, I was so committed to continuing my music career exactly the way it had been. And, um, so I pushed myself so hard. Like we went and recorded a record with a, like with a top name producer who was not very nice, like when Emmett was two months Mm. old and then like continued to tour pretty much the entire time from when he was two months old until he was about two years. And that was really hard. And I don't recommend it to be honest. Um, I didn't give myself any rest. I didn't give myself any time to transition from being like a person to a mother, which takes like some mental gymnastics to, to get to that point. Like it's just such a huge Mm. transition and our culture of course doesn't like recognize or like give women space to transition that way. But like, it's huge. Like you're a completely different person basically. Like Mm. your brain, your neural pathways have changed. They like, uh, what is that called? They redirect themselves. It's like your brain is actually changing. So rewiring your brain. Yes, that, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's crazy. And like, by the time he was two, I was just like, completely wrecked, exhausted. And like, it was, it wasn't cool basically. And then by the, <laughs> when he was two is when I got pregnant with Benny. Oh um, wow. It's really so, great. I'm pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to have two kids and I wanted them to be like not more than about three years apart. So, right, it, right. you know, that was what I envisioned, but it was, it was not easy. So when Benny was, I think like 15 months old, old or maybe even less, I started touring again. And, um, I went on this tour with, uh, Connor Garvey, who's super lovely. Oh, I love the, Connor. Yeah. He's just so sweet. Everybody in folk world is, is really nice with like very few true. exceptions. <laughs> yeah. I, I can give it like a really fuzzy, warm, like music, you know, womb right. or something. Like you don't get into folk music in. if you, unless you're like a nice person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <it's> true. Yeah. <laughs> So I went on a tour with him and I just, and I was like away from my kids for 10 days and like, you know, oh, did that come through? The email sound? Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay, no, good. You're good. Um, so I was away from my kids for 10 days. Benny was still really young and I just like felt like, why am I doing this to myself? I didn't, it's like if I had made a ton of money, maybe it would make sense, but it's still, it's mm-hmm. like folk music. So obviously it wasn't that much money. Mm-hmm. And I, and like, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to sell uh, essential oils, you know, like uh, the the MLM, the pyramid scheme, essential oil sales. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's not for me. But it got my brain thinking about like skills that I had had before I started touring, you know, and I started touring when I was like 22. So like I didn't have time to build that many skills. Right. Before like, who then. was I before this person? <laughs> Right, yeah. exactly. I had no yeah. I had no clue who I was before or where I was now, you know? So mm. so the essential oils was a no, but it got me thinking about like I do know how to make salve. I had studied herbalism before I went on tour. Like that was always a thing that I wanted to do. 
And so I got a bunch of books and read through a bunch of, you know, like basically how-to books on making topical herbal medicine and and blending essential oils, not selling them, just blending them. And uh, <laughs> And then I started to just make things. And that was like yeah. right when Trump got elected. So it like felt mm. even more crucial to me that I spend my time making things so I didn't just like doom scroll on the internet. Right. And it just kind of blossomed in a way that I had no intention or expectation of. Yeah. I mean, it's become really like a profitable little business for you. I mean, I feel like a it's lot of people... It's the only money we are making right now. And it's, wow. <laughs> you know, like Andrew's <laughs> not on tour. So it, it's, I'm super grateful that I got it established to this point where yeah, it can I'm keep kidding. us afloat during this strange time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I've clearly. seen like a bunch of people like posting about it on Instagram and Twitter yeah. and stuff. And it just seems like it's really blown up. It's so cool. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's working and I like doing it and I don't, I'm a terrible employee, so I'm glad I don't have to be anybody. Oh my God. I feel like a lot of people who are folk singers too also don't make good employees. Yeah. <laughs> We're too headstrong. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, yeah. I enjoy doing it. It's, it's fun. That's super cool. I miss the road um, sometimes. Well, I mean, I guess we're all home now. Like we yeah. all, yes. <laughs> we all kind of know what that feels like. Yeah. Where you like um, miss the adventure. I don't miss like the gas station bathrooms or the weird sure. sleeping accommodations, but I miss, sure, sure. you know, all that stuff. The yeah. adventure and the novelty of it, I guess. Yes. The thing that I miss. Yes. But um, I, I'm so like fascinated by just your life. And, you know, I remember when you got pregnant, I was just like, cause I, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, I think. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? You know yeah. what I mean? Because <laughs> like, I just, I just was like, like you were the only one of my friends that I knew that was like, you know, having a baby. And I got married pretty young. I got married at like 22 and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm Catholic and stuff. So like, motherhood and family is just a thing that is constantly in the back of my mind. It's not something like that, you know, the older I get and the longer I've been in music, the harder it seems, you know, and the, and the, like, it just (laughs) seems so impossible. And I I feel like I'm just even more in awe of you and just kind of like, I always just want to put a microscope on your life and just be like, how, (laughs) it would be pretty boring. (laughs) You'd be pretty boring. But yeah, I mean, that's I mean, why I think a lot of pe- women we know wait until they're 40, you know, yeah. to have babies because it, it's such a silly thing, but that a lot of music is youth oriented. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Especially with women. Like you can be a grumpy old man and be uh, lauded as a, you know, as a songwriter, but it, there's way fewer women. Yeah. Like if you're a haggard, like rugged you know, right. like road weathered, you know, I want to use this old dude. Like it's, it works in your favor as a whole I want star, those like... words to, to describe me <laughs> <laughs> no. when I, when I yeah. make my comeback. Like she's yeah. haggard I... and road weathered. <laughs> I know, but they don't say that about like any of us, you know, no. they don't dare. No. And, uh, but also it's, it's not a thing that you can be as a woman and it be it's, like a yeah. positive thing, you know? Right, right. So hopefully, you know, maybe that will shift a little bit, but you know, I mean, most of our friends just wait and I didn't really 
want to, not like it was, you know, it was not a purposeful choice, but it was also Mm -hmm. something that I always wanted to do. Yeah. And I'm glad I had them young because I'm, you know, I'm 38 now and I'm exhausted. So (laughs) I can't imagine (laughs) having a baby two years from now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying there. Yeah. Sure. It's just all strange. You know, like it's like the men we know in folk music don't, they can become fathers and it doesn't have an impact on their careers in the same way. And that's, oh, frust- that's frustrating, but I know I think about this, like my, I, I was, I realized the other day that my dad won the Kerrville folk festival contest in like 1987, yeah. which was the year that I was born. Oh um, yeah. And that was the start of his career in a lot of ways. The year and that you were born. Yeah. The year I was born and yeah. he was 33, which is the age that I am now. Oh, wow. Um, and I've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> right, right. At this point in time, you know, and I, I won that thing when I was like 24 or something. So right. it's just, you know, the trajectory has been so different for me as as a girl and a woman than yes. I think it's been for my dad. I, I just feel like men get like this extra 10 years of incubation as artists. Totally. Where they get to kind of figure out who they are. And then when they do get married and have kids, like nobody ever asks them how many kids they have. Nobody I've ever asked them about like, when do you find time to write with all the right. diaper changing and, you know, applesauce making? And like, nobody asked those questions to my every, dad. Who has every four single children. gig, four, <laughs> right, four children. <laughs> every single gig I've ever played, people ask me who's with my kids ever since wow. I had kids. And I'm like a babysitter or their dad, like their other parent. But like Andrew's well, been on tour. Andrew that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no one has ever asked Andrew who's with your kids. Like, yeah. It's that always just really bothers me a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I don't know, terrible. like somebody else. Why do you, somebody else is with them and they're fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's weird. How are your kids? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's with your kids? Did you get it? Oh, that's such yep. bullshit. It is weird. Yeah. What's like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just like, I, I don't even know. It, I mean, just. Because to me, I feel like I can really imagine having spent time, you know, not just as a musician's child, but yeah. also, you know, as a folk singer and a woman like on the road for 10 years. Um, yeah. I can I can imagine some of the difficulties of being a parent and also being like a working independent musician. But I think like maybe some of the folks listening don't have that, you know, right, knowledge sure. in the back of their head. So maybe spell out like, what are a couple things, like, do you have any moments in your mind that were per, like particularly stand out from like the difficult years of like those, those two years when you were really like pushing really pushing it? Too hard? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went to Florida. I went on a really short tour with Rebecca to Florida and I brought Emmett with me. He was not very old, like maybe six months old. And I didn't have somebody with me who was at, like, we didn't bring like a tour nanny. Mm-hmm. So there was this one show we played in Florida that like Becca had sold out and it was this really lovely theater. And um, the woman who, the promoter was like, well, I'm a grandma. I'll take your baby while you play. And she mm-hmm. did. And I got back, I played my set, you know, like covered in sweat and like, <laughs> this, this might be TMI, TMI, but like I needed to feed him. Like it yeah, was very yeah. aware in my mind <laughs> yeah. that like, like your my body food, had a very specific need. <laughs> yeah, at that my body needed to get rid of the milk it had produced. Right. So I 
I go out, played my set, I go outside, and the woman told me that Emmett had cried the entire time. Mm. And, like, was just, I just felt so bad about everything in that moment. Like, what am I doing to my kid? Like, what am I doing to myself? And, like, Mm. you know, he was, it was fine. Like, babies cry. Yeah, it's like two hours. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. doesn't remember. (laughs) <laughs> no, he definitely doesn't. But it was but it wasn't like a positive parenting win for me, you know? And like he just didn't sleep well. So like I mean, imagine the like sleeping in people's guest rooms and you have just like an it just a baby with you. Right. And then for him it's like a different room every night and a different situation. Yeah, but baby yeah. they need structure and routine and I just couldn't right. give that to him in that point. And I didn't really realize how much they needed it. Another thing that we did is we played, um, do you know Neil Eckstein's house? Have you been yeah, there? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, Fox Run. Fox Run. Uh, we, I think I played that one without Emmett, and I was so glad that I left him at home because they have, like, glass cases of razor blades. Um, <laughs> I they have, about that. You're they have, so like, right. collections of valuable artifacts yeah. and antiques, yeah. and, like, very and I like just very breakable thing. Oh my god! If I had brought him there, he would. It w- I couldn't have played my gig. You know, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a disaster. Yeah, right. We but, don't think about that, but like people don't necessarily baby-proof like bars no. and, and or, or even their own homes. Like when you have, no, there's no need to baby-proof yeah. a house where there isn't a baby. But if you're right. bringing a baby into a house, <laughs> you're bringing a baby. <laughs> it's just it was just impossible. Like I just didn't get any break. We were like we played with. Um, we did a that summer when Emmett was like, you know, six months to 10 months or something. We did a lot of shows with Carrie Elkin and Sam Baker, and that mm-hmm. was a lot of touring. And then like, so after those shows were over and we'd played all these lovely Canadian festivals and had a good time, I did bring somebody with me then. My friend Jamie uh, took care of Emmett, and that was a huge mm-hmm. relief. But yeah. I was, so after everybody left and Andrew and I were on our own kind of touring back to Texas, I'm breastfeeding over the car seat at like 90 <laughs> miles an hour on the highway mm-hmm. and my back goes out. Like, oh no. Just completely <sighs> non-functional back. Oh, and like no. we get to South Dakota and oh, we just God. like <laughs> have to like get a, ho- we were planning on camping, but we had to get a hotel room. And like stayed, I just like was immobile in a hotel room for two days while my back got better in South Dakota. Well, and for those of you that don't know, like the folkonomics are always just kind of like, you know, by a thread. They're just like, like you're like, maybe it's, you're, you know, you're down to two zeros in your bank account. You're like, I can afford this McMuffin and then the gas, like that's, that's, that's folkonomics when you're in your twenties and you're touring the country in a car. Right. So like, and then you yeah, like add parenthood you your back and you have to get a hotel, which is a hundred dollars. Yes. Right. There goes all of your income for that night. You know, exactly. Exactly. So it was just, it's like, it felt like none of it made sense. Like I was exhausted. The, the math, the numbers weren't adding up. It was just, none of it made sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that. why and not I, let it go? <sighs> it's so frustrating to me because I, I feel like there's some countries that really value art and artists, yes. you know, like Canada, which is not that far mm-hmm. away. I think about Canada a lot these days, you know, they yes. like country music there and they're not super racist. <laughs> like, oh man. They've got cowboys, like 
and right, healthcare. It's, like it's, you know, <laughs> it's not far away physically, but it's far it's, away progress wise. <laughs> like, yeah. And I guess like we can't go there now, but you know, other than the quarantine, like you could just get in your car and just drive there. So it's definitely tempting, but, but there are lots of countries that value artists and that like pay to support their artists that give artists grants to like make records and stuff. Cause they recognize that art has cultural value. And right. you know what I mean? Like my, my mom lives in Ireland and they kind of like fast track citizenship for artists who can kind of show that they're making a contribution to Irish society. Like, wow. you know, like, and also musicians there don't pay taxes. Oh my God. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just don't pay taxes. Oh, wait till you hear about like the maternity leave they have. It's They have maternity leave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like everyone gets like mandatory paid time off, um, that the government pays for. And that's for self-employed people too. So like as a musician, you know, like we're self-employed, we don't have, we don't have healthcare often, you know, and we definitely don't have, you know, maternity leave paid or unpaid. Um, no. And I paid like 25%, 25 times more taxes than the president. Yeah. Yeah. That's the country we live in, but it's crazy. But other countries actually do things differently. I know it's crazy, but uh, yeah, it's this crazy idea that like, if we as a culture don't pay for art, then the corporations will be the only ones buying it. And when that happens, you don't get as much art, you get like sales, you know what I mean? (laughs) You get, so yeah, that, like it's like that. Like breaks a part of you inside you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It really does. And like, I love oh. Texas. I love Texas with totally. every fiber of my being. But I hate the way that we think about art in this country, and uh, specifically in the South. Like, we just we don't appreciate it the way that we should. You know? Yeah, totally. So you can have like a mom in a car with her back thrown out and like can't afford the hotel room and like, <laughs> right. And can't, and can't afford to stay in this music thing because yes, you know, it's too hard and there's it's no help. Too hard. Yes. And bing, 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 you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that really bums me out. Cause I think you're one of the best songwriters I've ever heard. And oh, <laughs> I just, I want you to have all the help. You know what I mean? Thank you. You're so sweet. I think the world just needs your songs. And, uh, so I don't know if there's anybody out there listening that wants to patron Raina Rose in some significant way, you know, <laughs> I wish you could see my face right now. It's like the crying emoji. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think it's also like in this country, we're like embarrassed to ask for help, which is another thing. Cause it's like, totally, you know, like, and as women, like we're supposed to just be able to do everything. And, and that's like, how you end up like sick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, and as I think this, this pandemic is like a perfect illustration of this, like, you know, we actually all need some help sometimes, (laughs) you know, like we really should have some kind of universal healthcare and that doesn't make us communists. (laughs) It just, no, um, it's, it's totally doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's just some basic, human needs that we have, you know, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But anywho. All right. Well, 
but I'll, I'll get down off that soapbox. I did just want to talk to you a little bit about I that. I like that soapbox. That's a good soapbox. <laughs> if you're going to be on one, might as well be on, be on that one. Be on that one. But you're, so you, like me, you kind of come from a musical family. Your dad, your uncles all play music. Yeah. Um, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Um, so my sister got a record player when I was in like first grade and she was in fourth or something. And she played Joni Mitchell through the wall, like all the time. And, uh, she also had like, you know, like put on the band LPs. And so I grew up with like that kind of, you know, sixties, seventies, uh, Americana rock basically, or, you know, folk music. Um, but I also, um, I went to a summer camp where we'd sing like legit old folk songs. Um, and by that, I mean like Kingston trio songs and like, you know, <laughs> um, uh, like, and then like also sea shanties and, and then they also <laughs> threw in some like Neil Young and there was always, you know, like the random Peter, Paul and Mary song. It was like mm-hmm. everything from, um, did you ever have the rise up singing book? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was like everything from oh, rise up favorite. singing. <laughs> I love that book. I think that book yeah. is, is a gem. No, so, it is. Yeah. It really, it really is. But so. I grew up with like kind of like, you know, my dad was was a, always has written songs and plays. And so like he, he cut his teeth on all that stuff. And he has a, and he's actually, a historian, right? Like he yes, he has a degree in the history of country and Western music, which is hilarious. Very cool. um, <laughs> I thought it was the dorkiest thing when I was growing up. And now I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of he always he would take me camping and when we were driving to wherever we were going camping, he would do like music education. Mm -hmm. So he would make me listen to, you know, all this, all the, like a love and spoonful song and then play for me a song by like Howlin' Wolf that the love and spoonful stole from. That's awesome. It always went back and back and back, you know? That's so cool. To give you a sense of like, yeah, you can kind of trace the roots of everything. Right. That all this music was like stolen from black people actually. Right. No, it's so great that you knew that early because I feel like I didn't figure that out until I was like in college. And, yeah. um, but I mean, my mom definitely clued us in on some of that, but that wasn't really what she knew the, like a lot about. She was a word right. person. Mm. And, uh, I know that your mom was a poet. Um, yeah. My mom totally writes poetry. She's never published anything, but it's like her, her art that she loves to do for herself, which is great. Yeah. I can definitely hear like a poetry background in your writing. And my mom is a poetry scholar. So oh, cool. She and I think she may write some of her own, but I've never read any. Like she probably keeps that that shit like super locked down. But sure. um but she, you know, she keeps diaries and things like that. But she is a critic, you know, she's a scholar. And cool. um yeah. Yeah. So I feel like our backgrounds are kind of similar in some ways, but but she did sort of what you're describing that you're dad did with like words so she'd yeah. be like she'd be like well what is the meaning of this word and you know it's it's greek and it comes from the word blah 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 and this is its origin and so like she would do things like that with us around the dining room table but um that's so fun i would love that <laughs> <laughs> so we got etymology but we didn't get country yes. music history which i think would have been great <laughs> it was fun but i i like secretly love the science of words like that where you like where where does it come from and like what's its background meaning and oh i love that stuff yeah it's so yeah. fun i'd like to talk to your mom someday <laughs> yeah you guys would get along for sure um i'd love to talk to your dad sometime and your mom oh but, he'll um, talk your ear off 
I'm ready for it. I'm excited yeah. about it. Well, I guess we should probably transition. I could I could spend this entire episode just like learning more about your interesting It's really fun life. to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, you too. Um, but I thought this episode was like, it turned out to be a really good one for you. I didn't <laughs> pick it specifically like for you or anything. Like it's just, it's just always a roll of the dice. Like whoever's name comes up next and whichever episode we're on. Sure. But, um, but like... You know, we talked about your your latest record, like Vesta, and sort of about Home and Hearth and all that stuff. And yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, this episode of. is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it talks a lot about like gender roles and motherhood. Well, not motherhood, but like wifeness. Wife. It's like the precursor, the precursor to motherhood, right? The the wiving. Yeah. <laughs> the wiving, right? Yeah. So um, I thought it was a good one to dive into. Um, did you like it? Like, what were your thoughts? Uh, I was I was totally compelled by it. Like as a, as like a um, like what like as a time capsule. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like it's it's wild what yeah. what like the fact like it was so misogynistic, right? Like yes, just like very. blatantly misogynistic, <laughs> and like I don't like was that was that blatantly misogynistic for that time mm-hmm. is what I, what I wondered. Like, was this, did like women see this episode and think, wow, that was outrageous. Or did they think like, I doubt it. Yeah. Right? I think is the answer. Like it just, you know, considering the other shows that were on TV at the same time, like, you know, yeah. you I dream of Jeannie and things like that. Like, I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, I think this is sort of, this is par for the course for, like, which is wild to on me on television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Although often Star Trek is better than this, but um, well, they but I did, will say they did try. Like I think maybe it yeah. was even radical for the time, right? Yes, yeah. Like so, what I would say is like the fact that they even kind of put that under the microscope um, yeah. and sort of like ask the question of like, you know, what is the ideal woman? What is the ideal wife? Like, what is beauty? You know, right. w- what's the nature of men and women? Like. They're actually asking those questions. They're not just sort of like taking it all for granted, which I think makes it a little different from a lot of the other shows that were on television because there weren't shows on television that sort of like asked questions. You know, they weren't like philosophical. They were, you know, they were just kind of presenting the world, you know, with no, you know, there's, you're not pushing back against anything, but. Right. It was just entertainment. Right. But in Star Trek, it's like they're presenting this situation, but they're also sort of questioning it. And you do kind of also get a sense that like, you know, there's, there's bad guys and good guys within this context. You know what I mean? Um, like Kirk's character is not the same as, you know, um, Harcourt Mudd's character, you know, who's, yeah. Who's not the same as uh, Childress, right? Like they're different. There's different kinds of men. Oh, he was mad. He was yeah. children was real <laughs> mad when like her like Venus drugs wore off. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "You're homely." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Childers had no chill. <laughs> no, no. He I actually chillest. really loved. I loved Spock in this episode. Yes, me too. Just completely Spock is my favorite in this episode. <laughs> he was so just like amused at his yeah. like, at, the, at the other men. <laughs> Yeah, like there's like, you there's guys a are scene. idiots. <laughs> yes. There's there's one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode is like you have McCoy and uh Kirk and they're just uh-huh. like and they're kind of musing over like, I wonder 
why like these women are just having this effect on it is it just that they're really beautiful and we're really tired or like what is it you know they're just like on the bridge like talking about it and Spock's right. just like laughing to himself and just smiling and it's it's so great because Spock never smiles you know right and <laughs> it's like it, it literally amused him that much like that right he, they are behaving like such out. fools that he can't yeah. contain <laughs> he just like cannot control the emotion yeah <laughs> yeah it's wild yeah. Uh, and like just the way that they portrayed, like when the, when the drugs wore off and they showed the yeah. ladies the without withdrawal the withdrawal the <laughs> right of the pretty drug. And they're like, all that's really different is that their hair's kind of messy and they're not wearing as much <laughs> yeah, makeup. I know, I know. And really bad lighting. <laughs> bad lighting. And like, maybe your skin's a little funky, you know? <laughs> yes. It's yeah. Just, uh, I, like, just so it looks like, like the day you get your period or something. <laughs> I know. I know. I I was thinking like that scene, I was like, this is just me every morning, like before I brush my hair and have coffee. Like this is like what we all look like and how we feel in the morning. And it's like, you know, it's just basically every woman everywhere. Like before you brush your hair and drink your first cup of coffee and you're like, give us the pills. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where's my, where's my pretty drug? (laughs) Yeah. So coffee is my pretty drug, but totally. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was such a kind of like, it made me really uncomfortable. Like the scene where he's trying to like give her the pill. And he's like, oh, come yeah. on Evie. And she's like, she really doesn't want it, but she like, she's like addicted to it, you know? Sure. Um, and I well, thought that was about how it much beauty is valued in our culture. Yeah. Like if yeah. that, People go like do like insane expensive surgeries to try to be beautiful. Like that's kind of the same thing. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. I I think about that. That scene just, it made me really sad for just, yeah, just women in our society and like all over Mm -hmm. the world, just the lengths that we have to go to, to feel beautiful. To be acceptable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And to be acceptable. Right. Yeah. I remember it reminds me of um, like Tina Fey was hosting something sometime. I don't remember what it was like some kind of award show. And she was like, yeah, I heard so-and-so spent, you know, six hours in hair and makeup for his role as blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I spent six hours in hair and makeup today for my role as human woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Totally. And I was, yeah, I mean, cause that's like, and I think about how much work, I mean, I put into a ton of, you know, I put in a, a ton of work you know, I, I spend a, way too much time with like eyeliner and curling irons. So, yeah. but you know, I don't know, part of like, for me in a way, it's sort of like a costume. It's kind of like a, a mask that I get to wear on stage yeah. that makes me feel powerful and kind of protected. Sure. Um, you know, there's something about like just a little lipstick, you know? Um, yeah, it makes sense. I think, I think about my grandma and she, even when she went blind um, and she, she literally couldn't see her own face, but she would take out a tube of lipstick in the morning and just like swipe on some lipstick. <laughs> I love that. I had, my, just <laughs> my grandma was similar. She had like a stroke, but still put on fake eyelashes every day. Yeah, fake eyelashes? Yeah. I don't know. How? How? <laughs> I don't like she did it until her hands shook too much to put them on. Wow. Which was like, I don't know, not that far after she she passed away. 
Oh my gosh. She wow. also wore high heels everywhere to the point where she could, when she took them off, she had shortened her Achilles tendon and couldn't put <gasps> her heels on the ground, which oh, I just like, that like really had an impact on me. Like I, I will not go very far to, <laughs> to yeah. make myself more beautiful because like, yeah, that's crazy. She like, you know, negatively yeah. impacted her entire physical it's like form. foot binding. Yeah. Yes. Like that's insane. Well, and I feel like your own kind of company that you now are running is sort of like the anti-beauty product company because it's all about just like embracing your own natural beauty yes. um, and not well, trying anyone, to change yourself. Anyone who tells you a product, like a topical product, can take away your wrinkles, they're lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> like the only thing that can take away wrinkles is Botox and Botox. that's the botulism toxin. Like, do you, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not judging yeah, it, I don't want that in my skin. Yeah, yes. Right. Yes. So, you know, like, and also I feel like we earned all these lines. I don't know. Like each one yeah. has a story. If you don't, if you haven't smiled, you're not going to have smile lines. Right. And I, I think again, like kind of what we were talking about earlier that like sort of having a weathered look, um, yeah. yes. is considered, <laughs> is, is considered really attractive in men. Yes, you know? and inappropriate in women. <laughs> and and unattractive in women. And I just, yeah. I, I think objectively, like, how can a wrinkle both be good and bad? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So no. it must be cultural bullshit. Like, it can't be true. Yes. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's, they're like, actually you want to feel bad. good like, in your skin. Feel Like, have yeah. your skin be moisturized and healthy and glowing. But, like, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you aren't going to have wrinkles. <laughs> Yeah, you can take care of your skin, but also, yeah, be happy in the skin that you're in. And a lot, I, I think, you know, speaking of skin, like this goes into racism too. I mean, we yeah. we we as a culture say like this color is better than that color, and this texture is better than that texture, and like it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of all bullshit. Yes, it's all <laughs> it's all it's all like white supremacy and uh, patriarchy in action. Yeah. Which is like what the episode <laughs> is about, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it totally it's, is. I, yeah. yeah. I was like spellbound by it. Just like, you know, watching this go down and thinking like we have come so far, right. but there's still like just but miles also, to go. <laughs> but also have we really? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I, sorry, go, go ahead, on. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say like this episode um, in some ways is one of my least favorites and in other ways is one of my favorites um, yeah. because Mud is one of my favorite characters in Star Trek. I think he's just so entertaining to watch. And the How many episodes in, is he in? He's just in like two episodes in the original series. He's also uh-huh. in an episode in um, the animated series. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. And he kind of is such a beloved Trek character that the new show, Star Trek Discovery Mm-hmm. Um, and the third season, by the way, starts in just a couple days from us recording this on Fun. October 15th, but, um, <laughs> super excited, but it's, um, they've brought back mud as a character on this like new, um, Star Trek and he's played by Rain Wilson. Oh my God. And he's That's awesome. <laughs> he's so I mean, good. I am a huge fan. I think Rain Wilson is brilliant. Well, you should, um, you should check it out. There's, so CBS All Access, they have like a free 30-day trial. So you should you should do it. And just like there's these things called short treks, uh-huh. which are like these, you know, I think they're like 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long, um, little sort of mini episodes. And there's cool. one. Yeah. And there's one with um, with Harcourt Mud in it. And 
it's it's really funny. So it's okay. totally worth 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 um, the thirty. I will do trial. that. <laughs> I will do. I will do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I really I love Rain Wilson's mud. I think he just totally nails this character. He's kind of like I don't know. He's almost like this like cross between like a cowboy and a pirate, and he's really and flamboyant. Like the weird and, accent like, that just sounds yeah. like a fake accent. No, the handlebars mustache. Like it's it's so awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, what a fun character that would be to play. Right. <laughs> did you, was it just me or did you get the sense like when the three women in the game show sparkly dresses like just sort of <laughs> pose on the transporter pads like Oh my god. that yeah. they look exactly like not a little bit but like they're kind of exactly like stand-ins for Donald Trump's three wives. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't have that thought at the time but I can I can picture it. It's like Havana, oh Marla, and Melania, you know? Like, Oh, my God. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. funny. I just immediately was like, and I'd never thought of that before. But, like. Yeah, but there they are just, like, in the transporter glow. <laughs> just, like, yeah. really, really posing. <laughs> and I was like, why are they posing on the transport? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was just, yeah. So but funny. Anyway. Let's talk about their dresses for just a second. Yeah, go for <laughs> Can it. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so what was the the main one? Was that Magda or no, that was Eve, right? Eve, yeah. And she was in like the pink sparkles, mm-hmm. right? And then um, Ruth was in the like really, really 60s blue one that was short, right? Really um, short. I think was actually that, that was Magda. I think that Ruth was, was Magda. in like the green ball with gown. The, with the long brown hair. Yeah. Okay. So that's Ruth. Yeah. Okay. So Magda, like, look at that. That dress is wild with like the the one one. long shoulder. It's asymmetrical and super short. And like the sandals that like wrap up the legs. Oh my God. So who, who did the costume design for, you know, I know the answer to this, but I'm forgetting his name. Let me Google it really quick. So I, I mean, that's some brilliant, (laughs) brilliant costume designing. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, Okay, so costume supervisor on this episode was a guy named Norman A. Burza. Well, Norman, um, you did a great job. <laughs> Norman, you did good. You did good, Norm. And uh, Marge McCow was the wardrobe mistress. Um, but I don't, that's not the name of the guy that I'm thinking of who was like the main costume designer for Trek, but um, I've talked about him in other episodes. But oh, anyway, fun. yeah, anywho. Um, I, just, I loved their dresses. I especially loved the idea of um, Eve like running out into a sandstorm in that like sparkly <laughs> prom dress, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, just like, I think just the idea that like this is what women in the future just wear when they're walking around the spaceship is just so ridiculous. Well, I wonder did like, did, did Harry go get those dresses? Like they said that they were on, um, like farming planets, right? Right. Covered, right. In, covered in mud with only no men, only my brothers to cook and clean for or whatever. And uh, <laughs> like, so he must, they, there's no way they had those dresses then, you know, yeah, while they're on these like, the dresses, yeah. which is also a hilarious image. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, the, this, the blue. <laughs> the scene where they're just like walking down the hallway and there's like a close up of their ass, you know, their asses yes. and their dresses. And then, like, the dude, like, crawling down the Jeffrey's tube, and he, like, does a double take and almost falls off the ladder, you know? <laughs> it's like, so, it's so ridiculous. It's yeah. so silly. It's yeah. really, really fun. 
yeah, it is fun. Um, yeah, there's so many kind of weird things about this episode. Like, basically, Mud is like a space pimp, you know? Yes. And <laughs> they're mail-order brides, which made me think of Trump. That's that's really – it was yes. the mail-order bride thing. But um, I do want to, like, take a second and just, like, tell you a little bit about the three actresses that play oh, yeah. these women. Yes. Because I think it's it's so easy to, like – laugh at these characters because they're so silly and it's so ridiculous and we can kind of just objectify them but in reality the three women that played these characters were pretty cool (laughs) oh my gosh Um, I can't wait (laughs) yeah so so Karen Steele is the name of the actress that plays Eve um she was born in Hawaii when she was 13 she was in a surfing accident that almost resulted in her leg needing to be amputated oh my Um, god yeah, and the doctor had to basically rebuild her entire leg with wire and metal. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> yeah, but she recovered and learned how to walk again, and she became a model. She became an actress. She had quite a few um, guest appearances in lots of television and, and movies, and, uh, you know, she was in Perry Mason and Get Smart and all these other series. And wow. as she got older, yeah, as she got older, she did more and more commercials um, because, you know, actresses in Hollywood sort of age out at a certain point. Yeah. Um, too young, you know, really, but she too was, yes. yeah. So she was 35 when she was in this episode. Um, and on Wikipedia, there's this cool little footnote that I thought was amazing where it says that in early 1970, she went on a handshake tour of service hospitals in the South Pacific. Uh huh. Um, instead of accepting a series that was going to pay her $78,000. Oh my God. And as a result, like her agent quit. Um, So it's pretty cool that she, she basically like, you know, said goodbye to her career and like did this really benevolent, wonderful thing in the South Pacific and met with, you know, people in service hospitals. Um, So she seems like she was a pretty good human. Um, Yeah. That's a really, that's a really cool decision to make. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, well, so much for this career thing. I'm going to go visit people in hospitals. <laughs> right. Wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and uh, Susan Denberg is the name of the actress who plays Magda. Her real name, I cannot really pronounce, but I'm going to try. It's like <laughs> Dietland Zechner, I think, something like that. Um, all you German speakers, you know, just correct me. Right but in. she yeah. was yeah, right in and let me know. But she was a German Austrian model and actress. Um, you kind of hear her accent in like yeah. one scene where she's talking, but the same year that she was in this episode, she was a playboy playmate. Um, Ooh, girl. She was Miss August. Get it. And get it. She was also a chorus <laughs> dancer and uh, she starred in this horror film called Frankenstein created women. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> and then like shortly after that she retired to Austria. But this is the funny thing. Somehow like American reporters or the media or somehow they got this story that she'd like overdosed and and died accidentally oh, or no. maybe maybe that she had killed herself or something and it was all just like totally made up. Like <laughs> she had actually just moved back to Austria and oh, wow. uh, and retired and she's living there still. Um she has two kids. She's just like happily living in, in Austria and back to using her, her real name. So Whoa. there you go. 
Yeah, I wondered I wondered where she was from because you do hear her accent. And I thought maybe it was like a part of her character, you know, like yeah, they are yeah. in space. Like maybe they have. <laughs> right, right. You know? No, no, just her. That was her accent. Um, and actually, I think in, in that other movie she was in, the Frankenstein something women, what was it called? Frankenstein created women. She They actually had to like dub over all of her speaking parts with this other actress talking because – um, the producers and everybody thought that her accent was too thick. So wild. So yeah. she just got erased. Her voice got erased. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but anywho, but she's speaking in this episode. So there you go. Um, and the third actress, Maggie threat mm-hmm. was her stage name, T H R E T T, which I think is a great stage name. Yes. Um, her real name was Diana Pine, which is also, also pretty good. Also a great name. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're pining after, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And she's a threat, you know, to your heart. So she's uh, she was an R&B singer um, and actually was a pretty good R&B singer. I went and listened to a couple of her songs on YouTube. You can find them. Um, she has Ooh. a song called Lucky Girl um, that she put out as Diana Pine. And uh, so she put that one out like under her own name. And then she signed with a new label, Dino Voice, and put out two more singles as Maggie Threat. And those singles were Soupy and Walk On By. And apparently Soupy is kind of a cult hit because it's it's been resampled by a bunch of other artists. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to go listen. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a great voice. Like she was a good singer. Um, and she had a lot of other guest appearances in like TV um, and bit parts in like Wild Wild West and I Dream of Jeannie and other shows. Um, and she was signed to Universal Studios as an actress and she had to use her life savings to buy herself out of that contract so that she could star in the film Three in the Attic. Whoa. Um, yeah. And then in 1970, this is the wildest part of her story. I was like, what? So in 1970, she was riding around with Graham Parsons on a motorcycle. Like okay. You do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when you're if super you're hot just and a that triple lucky. Threat. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> And, uh, and then they ended up in this really bad accident and, um, she, yeah. And so she was fine and she just walked out without a scratch, but he was really badly injured. Um, and pretty soon after this, she, she just kind of retired. She was, um, reportedly tired of all the auditions that she had to had to do and just constantly being propositioned by producers, which, yeah, I mean, look at her like that must have been hell. So I mean, like you should um, just be able to be an actress without having to like fend off like powerful men. I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> but this is again another story about women in the arts and yeah, you know yeah. the things that we are up against that we have been up against since the 60s. Um and so yeah, and since before that. Um Yeah. But so anyway, so yeah, I mean it's a happy ending for her too. She she found a nice guy, she got married, she had three kids. Um Great. So yeah, they're all like all three of them are pretty interesting and seem kind of fun in real life. Um, They had, they all had like some actual success and then they all kind of quietly retired, you know, when they got tired of Hollywood bullshit. So it's, yeah, it's kind kind of of remarkable. Yeah. 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 None of them met any tragic endings. Like none of them, you know. Well, and you don't really like think about the like background of each like small part actor. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like mm-hmm. those are all still just like people with entire life stories. Right. But like I definitely did not think about that <laughs> when right. watching this episode. Right. 
Yeah, I know. That's why I love to do a little research when I do these. Because, like, it's stuff that I, I don't think about either, you know? Um, yeah. But then, yeah, watching it again for, like, the umpteenth time and sort of being a little more analytical, it's like, oh, I, I want to know more about these women. Um, I think it must be, it must have been fun to film, too. Like, they kind of act yeah. ridiculous and, like, there's, like, <laughs> yeah. the... the what the Elizabeth Taylor jelly filter all over them, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, it's the really went crazy with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So funny. Well, let's talk about like Childress or whatever and the rest of the minors and Rigel 12. What were your thoughts of <laughs> Rigel 12? <laughs> you know, Childress was the only one that I really like paid attention to. Uh-huh. Like the other yeah. guys, I was just like, oh, men. And then like, stop <laughs> stopped paying attention to them. But yeah. like I thought, I did think it was so funny when they were doing their little their little party scene, yeah. and like the the one dude's like, "I'm gonna cut in," and then there's yeah. an immediate fist fight. <laughs> just like, yeah, no, it's like the and, two things happen immediately. Immediately, the dudes start fight, fighting over Magda, and then immediately Eve like gets really dramatic and dramatic starts crying. <laughs> just runs into the dust storm. I'll never be. I'm the leftovers or whatever yeah. she says. I can't remember. She says, why don't you have a raffle and the loser gets me. <laughs> oh, right. So good. She's <laughs> just like so hysterical. And she's been like this super rational kind of like thoughtful, intelligent, mature character up until this point. And then she right. just like has a girl fit and just like yeah. runs, well, she wants to be beautiful world. and desirable. Yeah. But then she also doesn't want to be, you know, like it's also yeah. a weird situation. I can't imagine like what's going through their heads like as terrifying to this planet because they're like yeah i'm gonna trick them with this like venus drug but then like when it wears off they're just gonna wake up and they're gonna be married to me and then life's gonna be awesome <laughs> like, yeah like, baffling right yeah like there's not a lot of like thinking ahead i feel like going on yeah <laughs> no it's it's very it's very strange it's not definitely not a reality that i could relate to <laughs> Like she seems like she's genuinely interested in, in like finding a partner and she thinks that like this is the way to do it. Like that just doesn't Yes. I don't I don't understand that. But um and also right. like and, go ahead. I was gonna say, like uh Harry says that they came willingly, right? Right, right. So I mean maybe they did. If you're on a planet and the only men there are your brothers, like you and you have to like yeah. leave the planet to I mean, I guess I would make that call too, even if it was, you know, terrifying and weird. That's a good point. But I feel like the minute I got to the Enterprise, I would be like, sanctuary, you know? Yes, right. Like, like, maybe I not. Up for Starfleet? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like, I would just, I would, yeah, I'd go along with it for like the, for the ride off of like Redneck Planet. But, you know, yes. <laughs> once you got somewhere else. Like, right, I'd be like, ooh, I want to be like Uhuru. Or yeah, exactly. Uhura. Can, Uhura. Yeah. <laughs> Can I hang she out with her? She need no pretty pills. Yeah, no, exactly. She's so rad. She's she so really rad. get a lot of a lot of play in this episode. No, she's on the bridge, but she doesn't do much in this. episode. I want her to be sure. like, "This is this is fucked up, y'all." <laughs> <laughs> I know. We really needed her as insight. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Like, I mean, Spock kind of played that role a little bit, but yeah, it would have been nice to have like one of the female characters on the Enterprise weigh in. Like, <laughs> like even just like raise a very high eyebrow <laughs> at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It is like something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. But yeah, so I get, I mean, maybe part of the reason she goes along with it is that she's like addicted to this drug. I don't know. But yeah, um, but yeah so the miners live in, you know, 
Airstream trailers in the middle of a sand <laughs> desert. And, <laughs> and then you're like married and you never see any, are there any other humans with no, the- No, just the- three, there's conveniently three lonely minor dudes on this planet. <laughs> see, that's, that's like, <laughs> how do they get their, who makes their food? Like, where do they- she well, was making I mean, like a pile of veggies or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know. She's cooking something. And he was like, I do the cooking, you know? Yeah, and you're like, okay, man. All right, fine. Yeah. But like, also, you've known this dude for like a couple hours and you wake up and you immediately like redecorate his literal man cave and then <laughs> <laughs> start cooking for him. Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. That seems like kind of a weird thing to do. So that's weird. But then the thing, like his reaction is just such a red flag. Yes. Like a couple of times he says like, you know, I've not laid a hand on you. Remember that. And like, and then he's like shaking her when the pretty pills wear off and like Kirk walks in on him shaking her. And then he goes like, I didn't touch her or whatever. And you're just like, okay, man. Yeah, stop insisting that you're not assaulting this woman. Like, it's a red flag. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, we all know exactly what's going to happen the minute that the Enterprise leaves. Like, you're just going to, you know. I definitely got the feeling that he would be an abusive husband. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's kind of of strange when a dude is, like, constantly, you know, insisting that he's not laying hands on a woman. Like, that's, I feel like, it's a weird thing to say a lot (laughs) yes yes it is to insist upon (laughs) yeah um yeah and but the whole thing is strange like it's just weird that they're playing house already but I mean I guess that's why she's there is to do that yeah I mean I suppose there's some part of her that's proving that she can do it and you can yeah, tell he, he likes the breakfast or whatever. He, you know, like he's right, like, oh, right. it's good. I'm not going to say it. Good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also she knows how to clean pans, which he doesn't for some reason. So. I, that's actually my favorite line <laughs> in the, in the whole episode when she's like, well, you could just like let, put them outside and let the sand blast them. Or hadn't you thought of that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so sassy. Like, that's great. Yeah. So good. Like, my favorite line that she has, I'm trying to find it because I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Where he goes, what the devil happened to your looks anyway? And she goes, <laughs> I got tired of you. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> I was like, word. Yeah. <laughs> word. Um, yeah, it's pretty good, good comeback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the whole idea of the Venus drug. And then at the ending, you know, like, so the Venus drug just, it, it quote, gives you more of what you already have. And yes. um, so, of course, it makes women more feminine, of course. Oh, yeah. I roll. Um, yes, big one. <laughs> and then, uh, like, you know, she just, she takes this placebo drug. And, like, both she and Childress believe that she, like, is, like, way hotter. But, you know, apparently, like, you just have to believe in yourself, and that's yeah. how you end up in a sparkly dress with fake eyelashes with, and with the Vaseline lens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not four hours in, in hair and makeup. It's it's just believing in yourself that makes Sounds you great. Like I like that. Let's do that. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is an interesting an interesting play. They're like tricking her into into that. But it, it yeah. is obvious that her hair changes and she there's makeup on her. Yeah. Yeah. 
But then also she, like, I, I hate that they're sort of setting up this, like, false idea that, like, there's really two kinds of women, right? There's, like, really hot women who are vain and useless. Right. And then there's, like, you know, homely women who can cook and clean and play cards and be sassy. And, like, you can't, you can have one or the other. And but you can't uh, have both, yeah. you can't have both. And also, like, what about her and what she wants? Like, maybe she deserves, like, a best friend or, or like, a partner or, you know, somebody who just respects her and doesn't shake her around. Like, you know, I mean, is there not an option C here? And, uh, or maybe she doesn't want anybody at all. Maybe she could just be single. I mean, she, she spent her whole childhood just like cooking and cleaning and taking after dudes. Like, can she not just like join Starfleet, you know? I wonder what would have happened if that, if Kirk had been like, well, why don't you become an ensign? You know? So, which brings me to this, like this would have been my favorite episode in Trek if it had just had a different ending. Like yeah. if she just was like, you know what? Hell with this. <laughs> like, yeah. Hell with you and your planet that super sucks and you super suck. Oh yeah. And that planet blows. <laughs> yeah. This planet blows. There's like three people on it. It's nothing but sand. Like, I don't care how rich you are. This is a terrible life. Like if, I if you're so better. rich, get me off this damn planet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I wanted that ending. And uh oh, that would have been it great. It really should have ended that way. But um didn't so yeah (laughs) that would have been really really great let's rewrite the ending so she's like she like takes the the fake pills the uh what's that called i'm blanking the venus drug no but like the when it's not an act the placebo the placebo Mm -hmm. and then like she's like oh i don't need a pill to feel this good about myself and then she's like okay kirk let's go take me back to the ship screw you children Exactly. Cool. Wrap me so up somewhere I cool. And I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. need you. <laughs> I'm over Maybe drugs. Yeah, I'm, I'm over drugs. I don't want to take drugs anymore. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with, with Harry, Harry Mud. Yeah, Hard, I don't need a pimp. Fenton Mud. No. I don't need a pimp. I don't need drugs. And I don't need an abusive boyfriend. Like, I want to get back on the starship. Do you think they would have let her? Kirk would have been like, sure. Totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. They would have been like, yeah, we can give you a lift to the next. Yeah. There's like, plenty of empty rooms here. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You can make yourself useful. You can just like, you know, clean the engine room or whatever. For yeah. Like sure. Till for they like get in to trade a for station. a ride. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. There, and there's like, it's a galaxy. Like it's an entire universe. There is right. somewhere better than this there's- planet. Absolutely. There has got to be. Literally any other planet probably be an improvement. <laughs> Get me off Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's Star Wars. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've committed a great I know. That's, no, I'm I, just kidding. <laughs> well, my, my, uh, my sister's uh, husband is very into, is, is a Trekkie and like, very much loves it and gets very offended if you make a Star Wars <laughs> joke while talking about. So <laughs> he, does, no. he does not you, like that. You can't actually like both. That's it's allowed. I'm glad because they're both interesting. Yeah, it's like a secret item on on the nerd menu. You know, is that you? You, can can, like you don't have to choose. <laughs> exactly. That's great. You can be by. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I uh, accompanied one of my good friends in high school to a Star Trek convention. Mm -hmm. So it was like maybe 1997 or something. Awesome. And she, you know, I don't, Oh God, I don't remember, but it was, she dressed up as, uh, 
Um, Troy, what is, what's her name? Um, Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy. Yeah. Who is Rebecca Lobie's favorite character on Next Generation. Really fantastic character. I really, I I watched a lot of Next Generation and, uh, that was definitely like the highlight was whenever she got to do things. I usually ask before you tell this story, I usually ask the guests, like what your background is with Star Trek. And I totally blinked and forgot to ask you. Okay, well, I have a cup. I have that, and then one more weird thing. So, but like we went to the star. I dressed. I didn't dress up as because I didn't have a costume. But she had like a full on like Star Trek onesie, and like had the like metallic the weird uh, earring thing. She had like weird earrings. I don't know. She looked. She looked great. She looked just like Deanna Troy. But so I was also in a staged version of the Trouble with Tribbles when I was like ten years old. What? So I did all this, I did a lot of theater growing up because theater is really fun. And, um, so we, there was this like kids, um, theater camp basically that would run all through the year and you would do like a play, uh, you know, you'd go every Saturday and Sunday and rehearse the play and audition and all this stuff. And one of the ones that I did was the trouble with tribbles. So at one point my mom helped me make like, we had to make tribbles for the oh whole play. God. So everybody was responsible for making like a hundred tribbles. Oh my God. That's so we amazing. got like fake fur and hot glued it to like, <laughs> like balls of old socks to make these oh my tribbles. It was um hilarious. Wow. Your childhood sounds amazing. <laughs> I got to do some really, really fun stuff. I, I was pretty high energy. And so my parents had to keep me interested in things. Yeah. So I did a lot of like random, random camps, but that was, that was one of my most memorable was the trouble with tribbles. That's so great. Well, did, like, did your parents watch Star Trek? Like, did you grow up watching it? My or? dad, my dad loves that stuff. My mom really couldn't care that much about it, but like my dad loves Star Trek. He loves Star Wars. He, he loves all of it. Um, awesome. but yeah, uh, I, I watched next generation. We also watched Voyager a lot. I because- love Voyager. Well, like having the the powerful, strong female lead was, uh, I loved that. That was great. Yeah. She wasn't on no Rigel 12. <laughs> no, she, yeah. She was in she a Delta was, Quadrant. <laughs> she was badass. I loved her She character. was badass. Yeah. Janeway. Janeway. Catherine? Catherine Janeway? Catherine Janeway. Yes. It's still in there. Mm-hmm. She looks like a Catherine. She had the, like the strong chin, you know, like Catherine Hepburn sort of. And then, like, right. And then like the kind of poofy hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the hair. It's like if, if hair could be a shoulder pad, like that's what her hair would look like. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> but okay. So moving on, uh, this is the portion of the podcast where I ask you to pick a song that okay. paired well with this episode to add to our playlist on Spotify. Okay. Um, so my the I kept trying to think of something other than this, but I kept landing on this was these boots are made for walking. <laughs> nice. Because like those like you could have told me that those three ladies were in that video and I would have believed you. They totally look like they could have been in that video. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's my song, These Boots Are Made for Walking. Yeah. And hopefully that's like the part two of the story. Like, yes, you know, a year later, Eve's like, these boots were made for walking. Right. Screw this sand planet. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, well, I, I chose uh, 
a song by TLC because yeah. they are a rad female trio and we had a rad female trio in this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I need like a female trio song for this episode. And the song that I chose is Unpretty. <laughs> oh, yes. That's so good. I don't know if you remember this song. but Oh, um, I do. I absolutely do. You make me yeah. feel so damn unpretty. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, yeah. So here, here's a little from the chorus. You can buy your hair if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if he says so. You can buy all the makeup that Matt can make. But if you can't look inside you and find out who am I to be in the position to make me feel so damn unpretty. Yes. Man, that seemed like a good song for this for this episode. Uh, yeah, that definitely works. Beauty comes from within. It's about self-acceptance, everybody. <laughs> yes, indeed. Self-love. 100%. Take the placebo, <laughs> not the drug. Yeah. Take the placebo. You don't need drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need dudes on Rigel 12. No. Screw those <laughs> Making guys. you feel unpretty. So. Yeah, she's so homely. <laughs> I know. What? It was so ridiculous because they were all just like clearly really beautiful women. <laughs> like, yes. And the scene where they're like coming down from the drug and it's just bad lighting and like they didn't brush their hair. And I mean, there's some kind of makeup stuff on their face to make it yes. look a little, you know, a little or wonky. Whatever, but yeah, I just thought it was hilarious because like even in that, they're like they're clearly very attractive humans. Yes, they're beautiful. <laughs> it's like, you know, all the teen movies where like she's got glasses. She's ugly and nerdy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, take exactly her glasses like off. She's that. gorgeous. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> like, like uh what's one the princess one with um princess diaries with uh oh with Anne Hathaway Anne Hathaway who's like the most beautiful human (laughs) yes she's like you know perfect she has frizzy hair (laughs) so (laughs) she's not attractive no yeah not at all so stupid um anywho all right well I guess that is pretty much oh what what's the song that you picked from the Reina catalog to oh, add? Oh. Um oh, oh. oh oh. Well, I mean, I think one of the songs that I'm most happy with on the new record is One One Thousand. I really like how it came out. It's a great so song. That's what I would like to would like to offer up to the to cool. the Trekkies. <laughs> Fantastic. And that is from your record Vesta, which yes. people can purchase on your website. It's actually only available at folkpotions.com. Folk potions. So there so there's a rose.com that there's really not much action happening over there, but <laughs> Folk Potions uh my apothecary, my organic skincare has the CD on there. Yeah, and you can buy that album and you can also buy some Folk Potions there. Yeah. What what are you making these days? What what can people buy? Um, I'm making a lot of soap recently, which is really fun and dangerous and exciting. And uh, it doesn't sound like it, but it is. And um, and then I'm also, I'm just starting to make body butters, which are a seasonal item because they're, it gets too hot to ship them. They show up all sad and melted. But when it's cool out and they, they're just like the most fluffy, velvety, you know, like moisturizing happiness. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. I, I really, yeah. um, I just want to petition you to create a product <laughs> and name it the Venus drug. Oh, maybe I will. Just like in honor of this episode, something that makes you feel. Well, gorgeous. I do make, I make personal lubricant that I call sex potion. So maybe I'll Ooh. make a, a different version of that and call it the Venus drug. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. Yes. Should make that happen. Um, just in honor of this episode. Um, in honor of Eve. <laughs> in honor of Eve. Yeah. And her own self-empowerment journey. Um, yes. That we've imagined her to be on. That we've imagined for her. <laughs> um, cool. Well, is there anything else that you want to plug or promote? Um, you, got, you got anything going on? Um, I, I have, I have written, I have spent some time writing a, a like kind of fantasy fiction novel, which, um, is called Calendula Spark. And I have not much more to say about it other than that, except that I'm excited about it and I'm hoping to be able to get it out into the world at some point soon. Wow. Very, very very exciting. It's fun. It's fun to make a project like writing songs is like one page of words and this yeah. is like so many more words than that. So it was like such a yeah. daunting thing, but like I really have always wanted to to do that. So it yes, was it's amazing. Been fun. Wow. It's been fun. Late night. I've been doing it late at night. <laughs> wow. After yeah. the, after the where, kids are asleep. <laughs> again, where do you find time to do these things? Like I, I just don't I'm don't starting to think it. maybe I'm a workaholic. I never would have con- <laughs> used that word for myself, but like I'm starting to wonder if maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, but I get it. It's like when you, when you have, you know, you have like the work that you have to do that you want to do, but then there's also like this creative part of you that needs to be expressed somehow, you know? Yes. Yeah. I feel sad if I don't express it. So yeah, I, I don't, totally get that. It's like a form of self-care, even if it also feels like work. It's weird. I don't, I don't don't know. No, I totally understand that because I've had day jobs and stuff that like I loved, you know, like I loved the the day job, but I still had to come home and just like write songs until late at night because, you know, I didn't get to express that side of myself in that part of my work, you know? So yeah, I completely understand It's important to, it's important to also when you feel compelled to do an art project that you actually Mm -hmm. do it. That's that's important to me as a person. Follow through. The yes. follow through is important. Which I find to be one of the most difficult parts about making art is actually going through and finishing the project. In a way, it's kind of the discipline of keeping promises to yourself. You yes. Know? Yeah. It's, it's like, like it's going to same... feel bad if you don't do it. And it's going to feel amazing inside if you can actually accomplish the, the goal. Right. Right. But that doesn't make it easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay, I should probably go. I'm getting a, I'm getting texts. Um. Cool. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> okay, Raina, <laughs> Raina, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It was great talking to you, and uh, we will see you down the road. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Grace, so much. You're so beautiful and brilliant and wonderful. This has been another edition of Troubadours on Trek. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever listening platform you use and head on over to patreon.com slash Grace Pettis to join the crew. This is your host, Grace Pettis, giving her all she's got and aiming out. See you next time.